Come with me and you'll be in a world of cinematic adventures. Hello, welcome back to Cinematic Adventures. I'm still Jackie. Today, my guest is straight from Twitter. Now, I feel personally lied to because on Twitter, his handle is Bruce Wayne. So I'm sitting here thinking, yo, I'm going to talk to Batman. This fool's name is not even Bruce Wayne in real life. Hey, Christopher, how are you? Hey, how you doing? (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for having me. (laughs) You know, I can't start out like a normal person. (laughs) Hey, you know, and I love that about you. So it's all good. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. Okay, so today. Go easy and I I accept that. That, yeah, not at all. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. let's just get right into it. Today, Christmas Eve, which I know it's not technically Christmas Eve, but it's going to come out on Christmas Eve. So bear with me. So Christmas Eve, we are doing a Christmas show. And this fool had the nerve to try to say <laughs> Die Hard is a Christmas movie. And so since we're on Twitter, since you know we met through Twitter, um, I think the rule is you have to fight. So we're yeah, going to go ahead yeah, and start so, yeah. with that. And I'm gonna I'm gonna let him dig a hole and then I'm gonna explain why he's wrong and then just go ahead and bury him in it. So go ahead, you go first. You try to tell me, try to convince me what I know not to be true. The die hard okay. it's a Christmas movie. It is not, but go ahead. Okay. So my first question is actually just to you, uh-huh. uh as, as as an avid movie fan, which I, I assume you are. Um, to you, what is a Christmas movie? Oh, see, you're going to hit me with the qualifications first. Okay. Well, well, I, I think that's fair because when you debate something, you don't want to have a loosey-goosey framework. You want to find out, you know, where the out-of-bounds is, so to speak. So I'm willing to, you know, adhere to any rules you lay down, and then I will craft my argument based on that. That way you get a more, more honest response, I think. Okay. So to me, a Christmas movie, as far as genre is more than just it takes place during Christmas time. A Christmas movie is a movie that not only has Christmas in the plot, but there's there's certain things that you have to have to be in a genre, right? And Die Hard is an action movie. It's not a Christmas movie. It takes place during Christmas, but it's not a Christmas movie. It's an action movie. The genre for Die Hard is action. Now you okay. have Christmas movies like Home Alone, It's a Wonderful Life, like Bishop's Wife. Those are Christmas movies. Not only do they take place during Christmas time, but Christmas is an intricate part of the plot. Okay. Okay. So go ahead. Well, you know, with uh, restrictions like that, it's kind of hard to crack mm-hmm. my argument, but I'll make my, uh, my best effort. Um, you're absolutely right about the genre. Die Hard is definitely a um, an action film, and the yep. fact that it's time that it's shot at Christmas time or is set in Christmas time um, does not really qualify for a Christmas movie. But here is the counter argument. I was going to um, say, is that the fastest us, I've won an argument? Because I mean, damn, like that was immediate. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm I'm just getting warmed up. Oh, here um, we go. Okay. Here's my here's my counter um, here's my counter argument. Uh huh. You know, even though. Christmas films are, are really designed to engender joy and fellowship and all those warm feelings around the holiday season, which we all should be exerting like 365 days a year, you know, those feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, it offers an escape from that. Now, I mean, technically that's that, what movies do. Yeah. Yeah. But this is the escape within the escape. You know, Christmas films tend to be, you know, a bit consistent when it comes to, you know, the soft tissue 
of it all. You know, the quiet moments, the the hallmark moments, I call them. Well, you know, Die Hard has very little of that. It has some moments, but very little of that. And I think that's why it has now been thrown into, by the court of popular opinion, by the way, has been thrown into the Christmas movie argument. Now, at first blush, it's kind of impossible to make the argument that it's a Christmas film. And, and I, I fully accept that. Okay. I fully accept that. But okay, at the same good. token, you know, you're not going to deny, you know, what I assume to be thousands of fans who feel the way that I feel. So we're just not going to be dismissed. Now, today I come on the show with the open heart and uh, and good intentions. And I have no intentions of winning this argument, to be honest. <laughs> but at the same time, I'm not going to let us be a silent majority or a minority. We don't really know what the numbers are scientifically, but mm-hmm. I'm not going to be either a silent majority or a minority about this topic because it is very close to me. And understand, I'm not saying that Die Hard is the number one Christmas movie. I think that is a ridiculous argument. But I do think it has a a, a place um, in a subgenre, if you will, for Christmas films. You know, is it going to be a wonderful life? Absolutely not. Girl, I would never challenge you on that because that is definitely <laughs> a losing argument. But but in the sense of a Christmas film, you know, like as far as like a, a variety to choose from, look, A Wonderful Life, you know, uh, A Christmas Story, you know, all, all the classics are going to be picked first. And you know what? I think we're okay with that. At least see, I, I would not because- argue. I'm not saying that it's not a movie that you can watch at Christmas time. I mean, if your definition of a Christmas no, movie I know what you're saying, is a movie to watch. At you, that's why you know. I agreed to come at you because I right. know what you're saying. That's right. why I'm here because of what you said. And that's wrong. <laughs> it is a Christmas film. It's, no, it see, you—we were so close. We were so well, close. Is. We were almost agreeing. You had come to my side. I had come to yours, and then you just got. No, you, so I'm still on your side. I'm mm-hmm. still on your side, but I'm not going to just let you just sit there and disrespect one of the dopest films ever made. I'm not disrespecting the movie at all. I love Die Hard. It's a good movie. I'm never. I never said it wasn't a good but movie. I'm just saying it's not a Christmas movie. Now, again, if your definition of a Christmas movie is a movie that you watch every year at Christmas time. That's one thing. I'm not, I won't take that from you. You can watch whatever you want. I personally, I have movies for every occasion. I have birthday movies. I have yeah, so do I. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. <laughs> My New Year's movie is The Avengers. Don't ask why. I don't know. That's but dope. It is. I, never, I never thought of that. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. That's cool. Uh, but it doesn't have anything to do with New Year's, but it's just the movie that I watch every new. It's just, you know, it's the thing that okay. I do. So if you're going to say that, I have no problem with that. Sure. You can watch like that's the movie you watch at Christmas time. Cool. It, ha- it takes place during Christmas. Awesome. But to say that it is by genre, a Christmas movie, that's where we fight. Because by genre, it's an action movie. Mm. So you can stick to the genre thing. You're not even mm-hmm. going to the, you're mm-hmm. going to just address the subtext that I've mm-hmm. laid out very, very meticulously for I you. I did address it. And I said, hey, if, if, well, you, if the subtext is. It's the movie that it's your go-to movie at Christmas time. I'm not going to say like, I'm not, I'm not fighting you on that. You can have whatever movie you want, but if you're trying to say by genre, it's a Christmas movie. That's where I fight. Yeah. But I agree with that point. It's not a, it's not a Christmas movie, but by, by, by genre. Exactly. So like I said, like, you know what we just did, we just ended leftist infighting right here. We just, (laughs) we just came to an agreement that I'm right. That's what we you know just what? did. You're right then. Fine. <laughs> Fine. 
Listen, I don't. I, I, if I'm going to be a guest on someone's show, I'm not going to come on here and just bring all kind of crazy smoke. I'm not going to do that. Oh, I'm still you clearly say, haven't listened to past episodes because that's all everybody does. Yeah, but see, I I, I can read people even through Twitter. Oh, I can okay. read them, <laughs> uh, and and my instincts tell me to tread carefully with you. That's There's what they tell no, me. No, 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 no. You can you can jump off the deep end. Just realize there is no safety net. No, I, and I also know this. There's no safety net. See, so, you know, you're not doing what your average bear. <laughs> you know. <sighs> okay, so now I, that we've now that we've come, both come to the correct conclusion that I am right. <laughs> correct. Put that in quotes. <laughs> Put that in air quotes, sis. Yeah. Yeah, well, okay. We've, we've come to an agreement. Yes, air quotes. There you go. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> what is your favorite Christmas movie? Actual Christmas uh, my, movie. Okay, my favorite actual Christmas movie um, that is actually way above Die Hard because there's so many uh, uh, above it. Um, it's a Christmas story. Ooh. That's my favorite one. Uh, you know was, what? Um, I wouldn't have been surprised if you'd said Gremlins, but because <laughs> <laughs> at least like that, I will I I will concede more that Gremlins is a Christmas movie because Gizmo was a Christmas present, and yeah. the whole thing revolves around christmas like it was all yeah, about but you know like, what i'm actually in that camp as well difficulty getting giz you know getting a present you couldn't find anything and you're like oh right. fine i'll just get him gizmo yeah so to me gremlins even though it's kind of like a subgenre of horror technically i like yeah. if you say that's a christmas movie i'm like all right i see it but 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 i do say it is i actually i actually believe 100 that it is i really do yeah i think it is because because here's the thing i think that i think you acknowledge this but you're but you're not going to give it any any weight there is nuance to this. These different genre films that are set, shot, and written under the Christmas backdrop, all to different varying degrees, let's be fair, different degrees, all qualify as Christmas movies because they still maintain their integrity to the genre, which is really what you want. That's why you gravitate towards, you know, A Wonderful Life or A Gremlins or A Die Hard, but it's during Christmas time. And that's what brings everybody together. I will give you that community. for Gremlins. And I'll even give you, like, there are a lot of unconventional Christmas movies like The Ref. Of course. Of That's course. crazy as hell, but it's still a Christmas movie. <laughs> so there, but there, there are like a lot of them like that. And I'll give you that even, like I said, for Gremlins, for The Ref, for like all kinds of movies that are set like mixed nuts, but not for <laughs> Die Hard. Because okay. Die Hard doesn't have, the entire movie of Die Hard, the protagonist is essentially on his own. He's not with his family. Yeah, he's trying to save his like he's trying to get to his wife, but he literally is like with her like at the end for a minute. And if you yeah, here's the, the reason why terrorists stealing bearer bonds. Yeah, that's that's kind of important to mention. Right. But here, here's the reason why I say it's not a Christmas movie. Okay. If you were to change the holiday from if you were to take the hol- take Christmas out of it, the yeah. movie wouldn't change. It stays the same. You really? could have it, yeah, because think about it. You could have this take place in July, and he's supposed to, because remember, it was like a company retreat, right? Or it was like, like no, a company. It was, it was, it, no, 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 it was a Christmas party. Right, it was com- a Christmas party. Okay, that, well, that's how, many offices, how many offices that, that have Christmas parties don't have, like, summer vacation, like, you know, when they get ready to go for summer vacation, have, like, a 4th of July party? Okay, all right, yeah. Or like spring yeah, I break. would think I would think the Nakatomi Corporation could afford such a thing. Yeah. Okay. Right. They're, they're and that's what I'm saying. Like, so 
so that it, you could easily change it or it doesn't have to be a holiday at all. It could just be a company retreat. Like, you know, they're all like an, an inner office, like company retreat where they all have to get together. And he came back to see her. Okay. So you could take Christmas entirely out of it and it doesn't change the movie at all. The entire, everything. Yeah, but would it still the have the magic of Die Hard though? Even yes. with that all-star cast. Yeah, because again, if you if you take hmm. out Christmas, you still have terrorists taking over Nakatomi Plaza. Not during a change. Christmas party. Right, but it would be during a, an employee a company retreat, retreat. A company yeah. retreat, or it would be doing during yeah. an Easter party. Or okay. and and well, that's what I mean. Though- like you can change it and it doesn't you can change the the you can change you take Christmas out of it. And you can easily find a reason why they're all there and it doesn't change anything. Meanwhile, if you take okay. Christmas out of Gremlins, that changes the whole movie because it was a Christmas present. The whole thing was about trying to find this, this really difficult Christmas present and they found Gizmo and then he's got to take care of him. And why is he taking care of him? Because it was a Christmas present from Scrap. You see what I'm saying? Like it's it's everything. Yeah, I all. see what you're saying, but that is kind of an argument built on quicksand because if you change the subject matter in any film, then of course it's going to be materialized into something else. No, not the subject as, as matter. General... Not the subject matter. That's um, what I'm. I'm not saying that. I'm saying if you take Christmas, if you take Christmas out of a non-Christmas movie, it doesn't change anything. If you take Christmas out of a Christmas movie, it changes everything. For example, if you take Christmas out of Die Hard, Die Hard's still Die Hard. It just you just have a different reason by title why only. There. By title only. You no, know, the exact same. What? Okay, tell me exactly what changes forget- aside from. They're there You're for forgetting a the conversation reason. with Argyle. You're forgetting, you know, him landing in L.A. during Christmas time. You know, you're forgetting all these minute details that are important. But again, those story. details. If you, if you remove those things, you, you, know, but, you don't, you have, don't that have that dope ass conversation things. with 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 McLean and Argyle in in, in the locked uh, parking garage. You don't have that. Right. But what I'm saying is you don't have to remove all those things, because if you take out Christmas and you make it Easter or Thanksgiving, you can have all of that and it doesn't change. Nothing changes. Meanwhile, well, I again, I don't think we're talking about it. it go to go to Gremlins. Years later, either. Go to go to Home Alone. If you take Christmas out, it changes the entire movie. Bishop's Wife. If you take Christmas out, it changes the whole movie. Yeah, yeah. And you can't just substitute in some other holiday because it's like, okay, but why is it? You know, it's like. Scene by scene, like frame by frame, it would make the movie entirely different if you take Christmas out of those other movies. Whereas with Die Hard, you take Christmas out of those movies, you just have to substitute a different holiday or you just have to give them a reason to be meeting in Nakatomi Plaza. And it doesn't really change anything. Mm. Okay. So to me, that's the definition of a genre. Like if you, you can't, perfect example, a comedy that doesn't have jokes is not funny. It's not a comedy. So there's there's the element that defines it as that genre an action movie without action scenes is not action right in your world yeah that's right in the world (laughs) i mean who else's world you're the one talking so i'm listening to you so it's your world yeah i I disagree with that categorically okay then bring it because it's it's, it's easy to take out a, a, a holiday and say it's changed. Yeah, I agree with you. That's actually word for word. That's correct. But but what you're missing is is that what makes Die Hard special is that it's shot at Christmas because there's a reconciliation with his wife. You know, that's him. You know, taking leave to fly to L.A. to to even save his marriage. What better time to extend the olive branch than during Christmas time? 
Valentine's feel, Day. And, and, and I've been married. <laughs> you really want to pick and choose your battles when you're trying to either fix something or, 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 or extend the olive branch. And sometimes the two are not mutually exclusive. Okay. So with him doing that, you know, that, 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 that's, that's integral to the story. It, it kind of builds up to it. And then what, what blows everything up, obviously, is when Hans Gruber shows up. Right. So now it um, goes from being it goes from being a potential Christmas film that's around Christmas time to this crazy, crazy adventure that this New York detective did not anticipate. He's walking around barefooted on the 44th floor with, with hmm. glass everywhere. Yeah, that's that's rough. So have you seen so, Die you know, Hard that, with a Vengeance? Yeah, saw that. Yeah, where's the Christmas in there? Because it's almost the exact same thing. In fact, it's his yeah, brother. Yeah, you know, I didn't like that with Avengers, actually. You know, really? uh, to me, purpose, yeah, honestly, because it was um, the, my the favorite Die Hard films are the first one, which is obviously <laughs> uh-huh. the, the best one, in my opinion, and the one with John Amos, that one with, with the DC airport. I think that was two, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong. You liked two? Well, keep in mind, and, and let me give some context to that. Keep, I was in the military at the time, uh-huh. okay? So the things they were doing on those snowmobiles, I had trained for. So okay. I was kind of so like, like, already... like a personal connection to it. Yeah. So, and, and I, 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 okay. that's why I'm telling you that. So, you know, that Chris Neal of that era was, was totally involved emotionally in other things that, that kind of made me go, you know, that's, that's so cool. Yo, I did that. Yeah, they, you, the whole slalom court. Yeah, I did. So, yeah. So, yes. So, yeah, I, I did enjoy it because, okay. because of John Amos, you know, good times. You know, I grew up watching him. You know, mm-hmm. It was good to see him in, in a feature film because, you know, I, I was I was thirsting for for for, for black action stars. I was I was dying for them. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you know when when I saw John Amos, I loved it. You know, and then you know I, I think uh, I don't I don't know the chronology, but years later, you know, you got Wesley and Pacific Seven. You know, I was dying for that stuff. You know, at that time, being a young man, you mm-hmm. know, I really wanted to see you know representation. I wanted to see me up there and John Amos because I was in the army at the time. I'm like, yo, and plus at the time, I wanted to be a career soldier. So when I saw him. Oh, girl, I was done. I'm like, oh, that's me in 30 years. Boom. That, there, it, there I am. I'm not going to be a traitor to my country, obviously. Mm. <laughs> but, yeah, that was me. So, yes, I, I have a, a fond memory of that. Okay. Of that film as well. Yeah, so that's why. So, yeah, folks said it sucked. Yeah, I get it. I don't really try to, do, you know, die on that hill, so to speak. But mm. as far as personal favorites, the, the Die Hard franchise, it's the first one and that one. And the rest of them, you can go spit, personally. I mean, the whole jet thing. Come on, bro. Okay, so for me, it's the first one and the third one. Okay, I like the Samuel L. Jackson one. Yeah, um, that was dope. The, for me, the best, the reason why I liked that the most was because you get in the theater, you're watching the trailers, you settle in, explosion. Mm. You're like, Whoa, <laughs> what? Like it literally like, just starts. <laughs> like it was the first movie that I remember where, like, you're like, okay, what's this gonna be? Explosion, just boom, and you're like, whoa. Yeah. Like yeah, it immediately well, I, starts I, yeah, out was, an explosion. Take about surprise. Yes, <laughs> it threw me off. That <laughs> see, that didn't throw me off. That jumped me in. I was like, okay, let's do this. We're like, this yeah. is straight up action. We start out with an explosion. <laughs> let's go. And then I love Samuel <laughs> Jackson. Yeah, so, Sam was great in that film. He really was. I thought the writing was was excellent as well. Right. So to me, but and so, but the reason why I bring up Die Hard with a Vengeance is because it's almost the same thing as Die Hard. Only mm-hmm. difference is no Christmas. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Yeah, no Christmas. Yeah, yeah. So kind of making my point that. that you could take Christmas out of Die Hard. It's still gonna be. It's still gonna be Die Hard. Yeah. You just make it Valentine's Day. The reason why he's going there doesn't like okay. everything's the same. 
All those okay, conversations well, still happen. That's awesome and everything, what you just said. But, here, mm. but here's the real cold hard fact that you're not going to like. Die Hard came first. Boom. So die we're hard, done here. Die, die Hard, hard came, came first, first. So therefore, it is a Christmas film. It came first. What? You mean die before Die Hard with exists, the Vengeance? Yeah. The, before all of them. Die Hard's first. Die Hard's right. first. But so no, we're, my whole point that, is that oh, you can take Christmas. My my point yeah, with that, bringing up Die Hard with the Vengeance after the is. Fact, after the third film. That's a great point to bring up. Uh, yeah. No. <laughs> Yeah. That's, and I'm knocking out the damn park. Get out no, of that. no, Get not out really. That. Because no. my point is that Die Hard uh, that's isn't done. a Christmas that's movie. That, it's your show, but that one's done. That's done. You move on. That's done. <laughs> you can try if you want, but everybody listening that's knows done. I won initially. Everyone that listens knows is going to record split time a little because they know I'm right. That's done. Mm-mm. That's done. Die Hard no. came first, so therefore the yeah, premise Die Hard did come first because it's the, the premise first has movie. been set. The pre- yeah, because the premise has been set. Mm-hmm. It's set. So you sit there saying, well, yeah, you can take out Christmas and be Die Hard 3 is the same thing. You're right. You're absolutely right. Technically, I agree. Exactly. Okay, now we can move on because we're back to me. (laughs) (laughs) That's cool. (laughs) Right. Okay. So A Christmas Story is your favorite Christmas movie. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Why why do you like A Christmas Story so much? Um, A lot of the uh, a lot of the moral fiber. That is in a Christmas story. I was raised with, you know, it wasn't perfect. The family wasn't perfect. They um they loved each other. They ate together. You know, all those little things that that, that I remember watching. I did. We did. You know, I grew up um in a home. I grew up in a fairly big family. There's five kids, six kids now. Six. I'm sorry, six. And uh, but Damn, so I, many when, kids, when, you don't even know how many there were. No, but here's the thing. <laughs> it, like like my parents took a break. Like my last two siblings were accidents. Check this. Uh, this is my mom. This is my mom told me this. This is her her words. She's like, "Yo, your father and I we're gonna stop at you for, but you know, Mansoor happened, and the newsy was definitely an accident. So they kind of just fell on the scene. But for a long time, it was just us four, you know, the three boys huh. and and my sister. So a lot of that, um, a lot of that that I saw in a Christmas story, um, we we actually kind of lived. I grew up in the Midwest. I'm from Dayton, Ohio, and uh, we would. Um, take uh, holiday trips to uh, to Michigan because that's where my grandma ended up ended up moving. So the house even the house on Christmas story is very reminiscent of my aunt's home in Lansing, Michigan. You know, it's very reminiscent. So it was really eerie a lot of the parallels, especially mm-hmm. looking at it now. I can't even pick out some more stuff. But just uh there were a lot of parallels uh, in the film that were so close to home that I can associate with my childhood and growing up. Uh and that's why it remains my favorite one. And plus, you know, how can you not love, you know, getting your tongue stuck on something frozen? I've done that. I've done Why? that. I saw the, because I'm a boy and boys do dumb things, as, oh. as you probably well know. You know, come on. I was the eldest of six kids. So anything oh, that you're was the oldest be done, to see that. Wow. I'm, so, yeah, so, so, I'm, so I'm that guy. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm the one that's going to test the waters. And my brothers are going to be like, yo, man, what's up? I'm like, don't worry. I got it. I got it. I'm that dude. Okay, uh, so huh. I have zero fear about stepping out and and embracing whatever's out there. Sometimes I'm foolhardy, I'm, I must admit, but other times, you know, um, <laughs> I'll take a bloody nose and and learn something and get some wisdom from it. You know, I'm I'm open to all those types of challenges because I've been doing it all my life. So now yeah. that I'm an old ass man, there's no exception. I'm going to keep on doing it until they burn my body. 
I would be the the uh, mistake, as you put it, in my family. I'm the youngest by 10 and a half years. So my preference <laughs> is to watch what they did and go, okay, don't do that. Right, right. <laughs> I think my sister would end up being the smartest of us all because she did that. <laughs> You're also really good at finding yourself in cinema, it seems like. Like you did it with Die Hard 2. You did it with yeah. Christmas Story. Yeah. I don't really find myself yeah, that's my, um... in movies. I find like... For me, it's more like, for one, movies for me aren't about relating to, but it's about escape from. Hmm. So I guess I come at it from a different angle. Like I want, yeah. for me, a movie is is a way for me to get out of my shitty life and to like go to a galaxy far, far away, you know? Right. Or for, you know, it's like, like that's that's the wonder and the magic of movies. It's like, Things that you can only imagine, you can actually experience it as you're watching it. That's what I right. love about movies. So for me, yeah. I don't necessarily want any. I don't want to see myself. I don't want to see. I don't want it to be too familiar because then I'm like, OK, like that's that's hitting ho- close to home. I came here to forget that hmm. it's not. <laughs> you know? So I can understand that position. Yeah, I can understand that. And a little bit of that goes on with me as well. But um, I don't know if. Uh, if me growing up reading comic books, I think they do with it, but comic books strongly influenced um, my love of cinema and writing and, and art in general, you know, because I was very taken with it. Hmm. I used to doodle comic books, uh, characters all through school while doing work, some more than the others, but I, I, would, I was a doodler and uh, ended up being a pretty good artist. So that's good. That kind of, that kind of shapes, you know, how I view films. Um, I do go for escapism. Believe me, I do. Um, because, you know, my shitty life as well, I, I would like to be, you know, put it on pause for some, for some good, good two hours. Mm-hmm. So I, I totally identify with what you just said. Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of hard to, at least for me, especially in certain sequences, you know, and not just the action stuff, actually more so the heartfelt stuff, you know, because they're like, for example, uh, when I saw Philadelphia, you remember that film with Denzel Washington and, and Tom Hanks? Mm-hmm. Let me tell you. That's a hard film at, to watch. At that time in my life, I was the most homophobic individual you would ever really? encounter. And check this out. I wasn't vocal with it. I wasn't mm-hmm. vocal. So I would never drop F-bombs and, you know, say disparaging things. No, see, that's, I call that low, low fruit racism, mm-hmm. bigotry. Mine was like high level. I kept all my <laughs> shit inside my head. Okay. So, so at that time I went to go see it because I was a, I was a Denzel Washington fan still am, by the way, when I went to go see it, everything that he was or his character was saying in the film, the character, um, I personally identified with, you know, uh, Denzel's character was, um, he was a bigot, but he was, um, you know, one of those, uh, res- well, what I call a respectable bigot. You know, he wasn't really trying to, you know, interact with you or trying to understand, you know, your point of view, that kind of thing. But over the course of the film, these things happen. Mm-hmm. He evolves. Mm-hmm. So I like to credit Philadelphia with one of the flashpoints for my personal evolution on um, being more accepting of things that are not normal to me at the time. You know, in this case, you know, the gay community, you know, that that was a very, very um, it was a rough time for me because, you know, I've been preconditioned to to behave and act and speak a certain way and think a certain way, 
you know, and watching that film kind of unraveled all that. Or at least it, it was definitely the um, the thread on the sweater. I'll say that much. It didn't hmm. do it all in one sitting. But as far as me reevaluating, you know, maybe there's something wrong with me because, you know, Tom Hanks' character didn't want, all they wanted was something to be treated fairly. That was it. His, his pigmentation was irrelevant. You know, he wanted respect. He was yep. top of his game. And, you know, the fact that, you know, he, he contracts AIDS and he gets fired for it. I mean, I'm sorry, but no matter what color you are, that's bullshit. That's bullshit. You know, you had to learn, I had to learn these things over time. That's kind of why I, I try to see myself in certain situations. In that's interesting. So movies you know helped you to do oh. that? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Interesting. Yeah. I don't think I've ever had that situation with me for movies, like where it made me like where I, I changed a viewpoint based on move on a movie. Um, for me, I, I view movies, you know, like I said, as an escape or as a, an immersion experience. I do take lessons out of movies, but it's more, I don't know how to describe it. It's like, it's less of like a direct thing and more of like, like a meta situation. Um, like right. perfect example. Okay. The, the thing that I love the most about the movie, the Avengers is because the moment in the, there's a moment in almost every action film where like the group has come together. Like it's, it's, you're at the turn, right? That there's this moment right. in the movie where, you know, <clears throat> things, the situation is getting ready to change at the turn, you know, okay, everything's going to be okay. Now they're going to win. Right. Right. And with the Avengers, you get that moment. And then what happens? Everything goes to shit. Everything gets worse than it was in the beginning. Yeah. So like the, you, the whole team comes together, they start to fight and you're like, okay, here's the turn, right? We're going to win. And then you have that scene where like, you have like a series of scenes where everybody there, they get separated and everybody's individually being beaten. Yeah. And yeah. I love that. Why? Yeah. Because there's another turn. <laughs> there's another point where you come back and it's that comeback. It's the fact that, you know, they thought they did everything right and it still didn't work. You know, at first it didn't work and then it seemed insurmountable and then they did everything right. And you're like, okay, they're going to win now. Right? No, <laughs> no, they're <Right>. not. <laughs> and then, yeah, and it's still, and, and like, it's also the same point in Endgame. My, my favorite scene in Endgame is the moment when Captain America, he's got half a shield. His arm is essentially broken. Like it's, it's, fractured in one yeah. place. I know he, you're talking about, yeah. He knows he is going to die. Yeah. It, it is inevitable. He is going to die. Thanos is about to kill him. And he gets up and he tightens, he uses his shield as like as like a brace for his arm his and he yeah. gets up and he goes after it anyway. And then yeah. right after that you hear Sam say on your left. And I'm like, "Oh my god, that's why I lose my shit." And I'm like, "Okay, we can win now." But he didn't know that when he got up. But he got up yeah. anyway. So to yeah. me, like, that's what I mean by like, it's it's stuff like I draw inspiration from it, stuff like that. Um, and that's why, like, I don't I don't necessarily. So I, I'm kind of the opposite of you. Like, I don't look for that direct one to one correlation, but I look for like the meta message. What can I what can like inspire yeah, me but, to like get up? I, I don't I don't look for it. It, it, it finds me. it finds you. <laughs> that's the difference. I don't look yeah. for it. People who look for it, I think. Um, um, 
path than I am, I don't look for it. It finds me. Hmm. You know, Batman's origin story. It finds me. You You're know. a billionaire? No, I'm not. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, uh, the, uh, the scene you just described, you know, when, you, when you're looking whatever in the eye and you know it's not going to go good and you stand up anyway, uh-huh. you know, that's a very powerful scene you just described. Uh-huh. Um, you know, and uh, I became emotional when I saw it because you know what? I've been there too. Uh-huh. I've been there. Yep. I know exactly what that feels like. That's why when I give these guys so much praise for their acting ability, that's how I know they're not bullshitting. That's how I know because of the way they play the roles. You know, could someone else have played um, Steve Rogers better? I don't know. But the cat they found nailed it. Yep. They nailed it all day, every day, twice on Sunday. He nailed it. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah. That kind of stuff finds me. That's why I love the the Marvel movies. It's not because I know there are a lot of people who love to shit on the Marvel movies and say that they're terrible and everything, but they're not going in it. They're going in it like trying to see it as like high art. I'm not doing that. I'm going into it as an escape. It, it's and, not high art. Yeah, you're right. It's, it is an escape. It's not high art. Yeah. And in in all. my you know efforts of finding an escape, I find something that can inspire me as well. Yeah. You know, yeah, that's, yeah, um, movies do that to, for, for a number of folks. Yeah. Yeah. And um, like it's for me, it's the same thing with Star Wars, which is why if I'm not inspired, I don't like it. Right. So like, you know, people who are like, oh, The Last Jedi is amazing. Well, you're wrong. <laughs> yeah, it was not uh, very good. I don't really have any kind words for the Disney trilogy. Uh, um, Honestly. Because- yeah. I think they're going to ignore it or do kind of like an alternate timeline to no, where it's going to be destroyed. Actually, they're going yeah. to destroy it in a Soka series. It's going to be. Oh, so you think the same thing like with the, the logo meaning like, yeah, we're just going to go to another. We're going to we're going to head off in another direction in time. It's, and it's that already never in the works. Once once they show the veil of the force in rebels, that was not an accident. <laughs> Th- thank you, Dave Filoni. That was not an accident. Right. Oh, I can't wait. Dude. Okay, so I know this is a Christmas episode, but we we can take a time out. Did you see The Mandalorian? Yes. Did you see that last episode? Yes. <gasps> what do you think? Can I be completely honest? You better be. Absolutely, sister. Um, I felt I felt anger, I felt rage, and I felt joy because I felt that is what the fandom deserved to see. Luke yep. Skywalker. Yes. Yes. That is what they deserved. That's yes. what they fucking deserved. Nothing short of that. Yep. And with every swing of that green, beautiful Ooh. emerald blade, Ooh. I saw flashes of his dad in the Clone Wars. I'm like, yes. oh, he's an excellent swordsman. Yes. Luke they Skywalker did that on is purpose. a fantastic uh, yes. fucking swordsman. Yes. Every move he used. Even at the I end when the he crushed him with his hand, my he, God, like, that's used the force to crush it. it. That's when I lost my shit. Yes. I'm like, this motherfucker's on the light side? Did you see his hand shake? That's rage. Yep. That's him tapping. In, that's that Vapod thing right there. Yes. That, yes. Mace Windu. See, people Vapod, not hit yes. on, 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 on the seven forms. That was that Vapod thing. That's that yep. Mace Windu action right there. That's he even did. He even did that with the with the lightsaber, like when he when he had the lightsaber behind his back for a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that that yeah that, that that's all the pod. 
So I'm oh. like, you know, this, 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 this is what we deserved. Yes. And, you know, I doff my cap to Favreau <laughs> and Filoni for saying, you know what? Fuck all y'all. This is how it's supposed to be done. Yes. And without them saying anything publicly on Twitter or, you know, through, through giving snide comments in, in interviews, they don't do that. No, you know what? Exactly. They don't do that. They don't they bullshit just, people or yell at people. They just do their job and go the fuck home. They just do it and, and go home. I'm exactly. Like, how gangster is that? He just basically said, yo, uh, Eisner, I, I, me and this dude right here should have been doing this. But, you know, you went with, you went with something different. That's cool. Mm-hmm. cool oh, but man. Check, check me out. That's basically how to interpret it in, in, in street translation. Check me out, bro. I'm over here doing this. Dude, I lost my shit. Okay, so you know when they're on the ship, right? And they're they're like they're barricaded in, and um, Moff Gideon's all you know sitting on the ground, doing the whole spiel. And then Homegirl looks over and she's like, "An X-wing." And I was like, "No!" Like the second she said it was an X-wing, yeah. she's like, "One X-wing." I was like, "No, no, they're not. They're not going to do that." They're not, they're not even going to, I know they're not going to do it. And then you immediately flash back to the episode, last episode when you're like, oh yeah, he did call for a Jedi. He, he is call. a Jedi. And you're like, no, but they're not, this, it's the Mandalorian. They're not going to do that. Like, they're not going to do that. Right. And yeah. then, but then like, it was kind of a hit when she was like one X-Wing. Oh, we're totally safe. I was like, that was, that, that had to be the best line. Yes. I was act. like, that when was, she said that, I was, was like, so, she was so flippant, like, Oh, we're saying I'm like, girl. Yeah, yeah I was know. like, yo, if <laughs> you know what's coming. If it's you his X-Wing, you totally are. And then <laughs> then you see, like, and the thing that I love is that the like the dark saber or not dark saber, um, the dark troopers are trying to get in, right? And they just stop. Like all of them stop. And that's when everybody's like, what the fuck? Like, what is it? And I'm like, oh shit. Oh, like, because the second they stop, I'm like, why would they stop? If they like, it's a sure bet that they just keep going and they'll get in. On top of yeah. that, they're machines, and like you saw them when they were when they were going after um, Din Djarin, it wasn't like all it was doing was like pushing the Beskar into the wall. It wasn't hurting yeah. him at all, but it just kept doing it because it's robotic, right? It's a it's right. a robot. So I was like, okay, for a robot that has a one you know a singular mission, get in. Why did they stop? And I was like, you know what can make a robot stop? A motherfucking Jedi. A Jedi can make a robot stop. And I was like, and in my head, it was like, don't give me hope. I can't do that. Don't you crush me. And then uh, then you see like the doors, like you kind of see like little glimpses down the hall, you know, on the monitors. And they're yeah. like, what's going on? What's going on? You, you see, that like, was so well shot. That yes. Was, that entire sequence was so well shot. And then, <laughs> so then, oh, like, man. you see them going through. And so, of course, you see the hooded figure walking through. And I was like, oh, shit, we got some Revenge of the Sith vibes here. We got yeah. some Anakin Skywalker walking up on your ass kind of shit. And I was he like, moves oh. like his dad. I'm sorry. He, he did. Like he walked in. It was exactly like that. And then, and the, oh, the thing is, like, as soon as you see the lightsaber, I'm like, oh shit, it's green. It's green. The lightsaber is green. Oh shit. That no, they're not gonna do no. And then they show the front angle and you see his belt. I cannot yep. tell you how many Star Wars puzzles I've done. I know Luke Skywalker's belt. It's I was belt. like, oh yeah. hell. Yeah. Once I saw the belt, I'm like, uh-huh. yep. yeah. I was like, okay. it's him. They do it. They're gonna do it. They did it. <laughs> they're gonna do it. <laughs> yeah, and, um, they've done it. Then they then, <laughs> then he just starts wrecking shit, right? And I'm like, 
oh shit and they told you they low-key told you well high key they high key told you how badass he is because not only did we see the fight with Din Djarin against one of them and he almost died. Yeah, he almost got killed. The <laughs> only thing that saved him was the Beskar. Yeah. And he barely, like, he still, even with the Beskar, he still almost died. And it, was that was because he was with he one was still of them. Shook. Exactly, right? Yeah. And even Moff Gideon was like, you fought one of them. You're going to take on a whole platoon? platoon. Here's Luke. Bam, 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 bam. Just like Pez dispensing them bitches. I was like, oh, <laughs> shit. It's Luke. This is Luke. This is Luke, Luke. Yeah. Oh. I, I, I hope um, he's revisited. And, you know, they're floating. I was watching. I was reading some articles since it's dropped. And now they're. Um, see, it, it's funny how these studios kind of float things out. And I'm going to assume it's them because, you know, they all work for Disney. But they're floating uh, Sebastian Stan as a, a, a live action Luke Skywalker. And, you know, I'm yep. going to tell you right now, I'm okay with it. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with it. I'm totally okay with it. Me too. You know, totally okay with it. Because I know you can't keep doing that. Um, that the, youth, fake. The, 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 the digital remasking. I know it's it's very expensive from what I, from, at least from Rogue One, from what I read. It's very expensive. Okay. Shot for shot. And even with, the, and this, is, this, is, this is probably the only criticism I have of, the Mandalorian season finale, um, you know, some of the shading did not look natural. Mm-hmm. And while I was watching this, while I was watching him speak, I was, my mind was jumping back to the articles that I read about Rogue One and how it was hard to get the shading right and how they had to, they had to redo Tarkin so many times. So I, I thought a lot of that was going on in that final sequence of when he was speaking after he um, dispatched all the, um, all the, uh, the, the killer droids and stuff. So I, I found that to be a little annoying, but for the most part, I thought it was really good. But if you're gonna, if they're gonna be doing what they said they're gonna be doing, you know, mm-hmm. with uh, the book of Boba Fett and the Man Delorean season three, yeah, this is not gonna be the last we see of Skywalker. Oh no, so I've when- um, I've heard through the grapevine that that was just the beginning, and that the reason why they did the CGI was specifically so that because since the rumors were already out about Sebastian Stan, yeah. If anybody spotted Sebastian Stan on the set, then it would have hit before the episode came out. Right. Mark Hamill shows up all the time because yeah. like George, it's not it's not odd to see Mark Hamill or George Lucas on the set. That doesn't mean, but you know, they're in their sixties. You know, he's in his sixties. That doesn't mean he's going to be Luke Skywalker. So nobody thinks anything of Mark Hamill coming back. But everybody was eyeballing, you know, Sebastian Stan. So if he had showed up on set, that would have leaked, and we would have known long before. So I, I read that that's why they had it be Mark Hamill so that people, you know, it wouldn't get out. Right. Okay. And that was great. I it, So here's another thing about when you like throw yourself into things. I was on that. I was on that, that ship, right? Like I was right there. I was watching Luke mow the bitches down. And yeah. then, <laughs> and, um, oh, and the other thing that let me know it was Luke was, the hand that was holding the lightsaber was gloved. Gloved. And the other hand wasn't. And I was like, yep, that's Luke. We got the one-armed man. <laughs> so, um, and then, you know, when he stood and when he pulled the when he pulled the hood back, I was so immersed in the whole thing mm-hmm. that I like started screaming and jumping and shit. And I like it, it didn't even register to me that it was CGI. It was just like, holy shit, that's Luke, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so 
it, that's, that's all good. I saw was like that's Luke Skywalker. Good. I didn't that's notice good. any bad CGI. I was just like, it's fucking Luke Skywalker. And I lost my shit. Um. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me, let me give you some clarification. When I give you that kind of detail about the CGI, that mm-hmm. was after the episode ended. Oh, okay. See, what I did was I watched it because I, because I was like you. Please understand. <laughs> I, was, I, I don't get analytical during the first run. Okay. I always wait until my emotions settle. Then I go back and I critique frame by frame. I, I, I evaluate the dialogue, how it's shot, the sequences, all that kind of stuff. That's when I get into my little own little producer head. <laughs> but, 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 but when it's like first run, yo, mm-hmm. I was like, yo, I'm looking for cues, gloves. <laughs> I see flesh tone. I see the fucking hilt of the, of the lightsaber. I'm like, okay. Yep. Hmm, very Ben Kenobi like. Looks familiar. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking yep. at the blade, the hood. I'm looking belt. I'm like you. Okay, I want that very clear. I'm I'm totally immersed, and that's all I saw. My critiques came after I had seen everything. So just to be fair, I think the last time I felt, the last time I felt anything like that was the Clone Wars season finale or series finale. That will who. Which I have not watched on purpose. I've not what? watched it on purpose. Yeah, I've, check this out. Listen, listen to this. <laughs> so, my boy, who's my manager at work, I'm using his um, his, his his Disney Plus account. He has mm-hmm. it on the big screen TV, and, and, and we have an office called the Bunker, where all the MIS staff uh, uh, coalesce on the lot. That's where we work from. That's like my office or everybody's like big workspace. And it was a big ass TV on the wall, so he puts his creds in, right? And so. I've been following the Mandalorian since season one. I've loved every minute of it. And after every episode, it says, because you've watched the Mandalorian, mm-hmm. we can start season seven of the Clone Wars. I'm like, man, yep. <laughs> so, you know where it's at? So hold on, hold on. So, so, I, I, so, I finished, see, so I finished season two of the Mandalorian. So mm-hmm. now this coming week, I'm going to start to watch the last episode of the Clone Wars. Because here, here's my thing. I'm one of those fans. I'm one of those fans who holds grudges. Mm-hmm. And first of all, thanks to my brother, uh, Kareem, love him, Malcolm Xbox Live, shout out to my brother. He turned me on to the Clone Wars because I did not see it while I was on Cartoon Network. So I had so I had the late, but I got a chance to watch it episode for episode back to back all at once. So mm-hmm. it was like a big memory dump. So what it does, it, it opened my Star Wars nostrils wide open, <laughs> right? Right. So I'm like, I'm like, now, now I'm fully on board. I'm fully immersed in the mythology. Okay. Yes. I know all the planets. I know the fucking coordinates, girl. I'm on it. Yeah. Okay. This is how I found out about the, the fucking seventh uh, uh, lightsaber style. Clone Wars. Yeah. So again, I hold grudges for a long I'm time. I'm pretty much the so, same. I wasn't so, really, I was like, I've seen, I'd seen all the movies, but I wasn't into, into Star Wars until I saw yeah. all the Clone Wars. Yeah. That's, so, so, so so honestly, that's like the Wars. best writing in Star Wars. Yeah, it is. So, so Clone Wars wraps. I see, I see all of it, and then it ends, and it leaves you hanging. So I'm, so yep. I'm mad. I'm, yep. I'm like fucking mad, right? So then they jump to something else. Like, well, I'm like, wait a minute. What about Clone Wars season seven? So I had a grudge for a long time. Mm-hmm. So all this time has passed. Fast forward to now, Disney Plus, they Filoni and crew get together, do the final season. This is me punishing them. <laughs> by not watching it. But now that I've, I've settled, mm-hmm. I'm not going to watch the final season. So I'm looking forward to it. I really am. There's a spinoff based on that called The Bad Batch that's coming out. Yeah. Looking forward to that. Looking yeah. forward to that. 
dude, yeah, you got to watch it. Cause like when I watched the clone wars, I'm just going to tell you the last four episodes of season seven. They say it's hard. It's hard to watch. It's hard to watch. It's the best. Okay. So the first, the first one's okay. The first one's pretty good. You're like, okay, cool. Clone yeah. Wars back. And then, <laughs> right. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, honestly, that's what it is. Like the first couple episodes, you're like, cool, Clone Wars. And you get the Bad Batch, and you're like, ooh, they're badass. And then you get the middle episodes, and you're like, okay, we're just going. <laughs> you know, you're like, ah, like you, you only have like eight episodes, man. Like, what are you, what are you doing here? Yeah. And then, yeah. then those last four hit. Then those last four hit, and you, you're holding your Whole mood you're making indents in the table. You're like, oh yeah. shit! See? The last yeah. four yeah. episodes—that's that, that's what I'm. That's what I'm afraid of. I'm gonna start yes. crying. I, I know it. I know. Oh it. yeah. Oh yeah. The last Listen. four episodes <laughs> are the best Star Wars movie ever. Wow. Better than the original trilogy, because, because that first of all, I, I just have to say after the battle of uh, of uh, Coruscant, I know they do. They fill the gaps in. What happens? Uh, what for the um in Clone Wars? Yeah, see, I have this vision in my mind mm-hmm. that okay, so the opening scene to Revenge of the Sith, right? They're flying and they're going to rescue the Chancellor. Mm-hmm. In my mind's eye, and I have nothing. This is just me just conjecturing. In my mind's eye, they season seven of Clone Wars addresses those sequence of events from the from the result of that battle. Yes, basically when because they because they say hey the Chancellor been kidnapped. Ahsoka, you got to go to Mandalore and deal with Maul. We're going to go and get Chancellor. That's in my, so once I saw that clip, I was like, okay, that's what they're going to do. That is, so you're I right. Knew, that is, that's exactly what so they I do. I knew if I watch it, I'm going to become emotional because yes. I, really had a, I had a hard time with Revenge of the Sith. I did. <laughs> Me too. Oh my God. I, yes. I felt, I felt yes. Padme's pain. I felt Obi-Wan's pain. I'm like, it's all coming okay. apart. I my had a hard time with it. Not because of, not on an emotional level, because to me it was lacking in emotion. Because to me, when I watched Revenge of the Sith, I thought like I thought I felt like Lucas was trying to wrap up his whole Palpatine thing, and then he was yeah. like, like he, yeah. he, I felt like his focus was on Palpatine and the Jedi going bad, and the Jedi yeah. turning, uh, or not turning, but like the Jedi, um, you know, the destruction of the Jedi, and then he yeah, was like, Anakin oh yeah, yeah, I got to turn Anakin to Vader, and it was for me, it felt like an afterthought almost. But when you watch the Clone Wars, you're like, oh, my God. And then yeah. I can't see. I can't. Oh, you have to yeah. watch it. Those yeah, last four episodes, it. man. I'm going to watch it. I'm oh, watch they it. hit you right here. I know. Oh, I was I know. not it's gonna okay. It's going to be tough. It really I was is. not okay. And I was like, okay, I'm not a big I'm a, I'm not a prequels fan. I'm not a big fan of, of Revenge of the Sith specifically. But right. then if you take Revenge of the Sith. And you go here. Throw these four episodes of the Clone Wars in with it. Oh shit! Now yeah. just oh, it, it's actually yeah, yeah. Revenge of the Sith is actually, and and you make a very excellent point. When you first watch it, it does feel a rush at the end, and and I did not like that part. But here's the part where the emotional content comes in. After having after having watched the Clone Wars multiple times all the years, mm-hmm. now when I watch Revenge of the Sith. My emotional state is totally different now because now I know what's going on in the back of my mind. Exactly. But I have missing pieces. The missing pieces are the ones going to really but make see, me fall out crying because I know they're in season seven yes. of, of, of the Clone Wars, which you just confirmed. Yes. The so last now I'm really four episodes, to, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to sneak up on it, girl. I'm going to Those sneak up on it. I got to build up a resistance 
and sneak up on it because I know how I'm going to react. Those Okay, so here's what you need to do. You should watch the last four episodes, cry for about two days, then go ahead and rewatch Revenge of the Sith. Because it the last four episodes correspond with Revenge. So before that, you know how the Clone Wars, the first six seasons, all took place in between Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith, right? Yes, that's right. Yeah. Okay, well, the last four episodes take place concurrent. That's yeah. Brilliant. That's brilliant. I yes. So Fucking now, now that, the, that cool whole Vader switch, it's, it's not yeah. immediate. It's not instant, and it, it wasn't rushed. Now, yeah. Because now we get to see that, and you're like, oh, and it tears you apart. It tears me apart, Lisa. Anyway, um, wow. <laughs> so, wow. yeah, you, you got to watch those last four episodes. I'm telling you, like, oh, I what I did was when the Clone Wars season seven came out, I was all about it. I was watching every single episode, like as it came out, just like Mandalorian, right? And then right. you get to the last four episodes, and I was like, I'm good. Because it's like a book that, like, when you get to the end, you're like, "This was a great book," but I don't want it to end, so I'm just gonna finish. Yeah. I'm not gonna finish it. It was like yeah, that. I'm gonna stall. I'm just gonna not read the end of it. You know, yeah, I'm gonna stall out. Yeah. And for like, it took me like a month because it was just like, I don't want to say goodbye to my best friend. You know, it's like, yeah. and I knew I was not gonna be okay. I knew it, and I was right. Oh, I so. I ended up watching the last four episodes because I was going to do it on a podcast. One of my co-hosts has his own podcast called Nerd One. And he was like, hey, let's, you know, come on my podcast and we'll talk about um, about the Clone Wars. And I was like, "Okay." so I guess I have to finish it. And I finished it. And you know that meme of or the gif of Stewie rocking back and forth, like crying is not okay. That was me. For like a day, I was just like, "Oh my god!" And then Ahsoka, and then Vader, and then Anakin, and I was just like, "And then and like the claw and oh, oh. Yeah, I'm gonna have a hard time. I, no. I can already see it. Just just listen. To you speak. Oh. I'm gonna have a hard time. I'm yeah. really gonna have a hard time with this. I really. Am. Oh, that last and Maul and the so. Oh man. Oh, just right in the just right there. Get you right there. Yeah, I was oh, not okay. I love me some Maul. I love him. Oh, he's you're so gonna evil. love the last four episodes. He's so evil. He's all up in those last four episodes. He's so evil, and he does not give any fucks about it. He was he was peak Maul, and you know what? <laughs> see, I see, honestly yeah. think that if they hadn't done Rebels, uh-huh. I, I feel like the way that they did the Clone Wars, they really were setting up for Maul to be the villain in the sequel trilogy because. He had got, you know, mm. he, had, he had come behind, you know, gone underneath, you know, underground and like built his crime syndicate. And then yeah. even in the Han Solo movie, they had him come back and he was the head of the crime syndicate. Like you, you, yeah. t- you find out that yeah. all crime syndicates lead to mall. Yeah. So I feel like if they wanted, they could kind of still have mall be if they wanted to just kind of like rewrite history, then mall would end up being the big bad, not Snoke. And sure as shit, not Palpatine. Yeah. Also, quick aside, like I know this yeah. has nothing to do with anything we're talking about, but how in holy fuck did they think that it was a better idea to bring Palpatine back from the dead than it was to bring Snoke back from the dead? That didn't make any damn a, sense. Yes, that is a convoluted question. Uh, the only way, the best way to answer that, <clears throat> based on um, my research and my sources, is that uh, they had no plan. Yeah, but no you know plan. what, though? I've heard lately that they did that. So originally, 
when episode eight came out and everybody was all pissed off, it was floated around that um, that Ryan Johnson threw away or just ignored J.J. Yes, uh, Abrams treatment. He threw away the treatment. Yes. Right. And, and, and lately the there's the film, yeah. there's a version of the treatment that has been sur- that surfaced. Yeah, I saw that. And yeah. that would have been way the hell better. And it made sense. Yeah, that's what they should have did. Ray's yeah. not well, a Mary Sue. All, Luke was controlling her the whole time. Yeah, that was all railroaded um, through the identity politics of Kathleen Kennedy. And, you know, nobody wants to talk about it because if you do, you're labeled an is or a phobe. And nobody but wants to you know, to okay, see, I issue. like now, now we get into it because that really pisses me off. How are you going to yeah. have a white dude and a white woman saying, Oh, you're racist and you're sexist. If you don't like our film where we pay, where we basically take away all agency from all of the characters of color and we make the female be so godlike that she's not even remotely relatable, yeah, which no is not like as a female. Character. Exactly. She, they, they entirely ruined her character. So and they did yeah. more harm to females in lead positions than good. Than good. I agree. They did. And I don't like this whole this whole trope of like a white male saying, if you don't like my movie, you're a racist. Uh, bitch, when were you not white? Yeah, that's not how what it the works. hell? Like, what? no. And then on top of that, like John Boyega even came out and said, like, I was supposed to be force sensitive in The Force Awakens. They hinted at it. That's why he yield. He wielded a lightsaber. With, yeah. And he was he was he was damn near halfway good at it. You know, it was clear yeah. the skill gap between. And that, that, that's, that's actually a great scene because the skill gap between Kylo Ren and Finn was obvious. Mm-hmm. But, you but he still held his own for a of, good minute. Yeah, he, that's my thank you. Thank you for landing the plane for me. Exactly. He was holding his own for a good minute. I thought to myself, during that minute, I thought to myself, you know what? Number one, he's force sensitive. Yep. Kylo ain't no, ain't no goddamn slouch. That's number one. Number yep. two, with proper training, he can get his, get his game right. He can. Now yep. he probably can't see Kylo in like two years, three right. years, ten years. But as far as like be on the right track, depending on his learning curve, he could probably hang. Probably could hang. Yeah. See, my I made the case all along that the Force Awakening was awakening in him, not in Ray, yeah. because yeah. the movie kind of lays it out for you. It because does. you remember the scene where they were running and then um, they. Starkiller takes out all those planets. Yeah. Before you see anything in the sky, he stops running and turns and looks to the sky. And then you see the planets blow up. Why did he look up first? Nobody else, the whole, everybody else was fighting. Nobody else looked up until you could see it in the sky. Yeah. But he stopped and looked up almost as if, remember that the um, part from Obi-Wan in the original Star Wars when he was like, I felt like, it felt like. Yeah. The only millions of voices crying out and then just disappearing. Yeah, only, a, only a Jedi does that. Or, exactly. Or, and or and or force sensitive. Only that only happens for them. Exactly. Yeah. And then um, there the the thing that got me from the very beginning, first frame, when he didn't want to shoot, he was like he's trained. He even says that he was kidnapped as a child. He was raised. He was raised as a stormtrooper. Yeah. And when it came time for him to shoot, he didn't want to do it. Right. And the thing that got me, there are two more parts to this. One, Kylo, right, like right as he that moment when he freezes the blaster, yeah. right before he does that, he turns and he looks right at Finn. 
Yeah. And he just stares at him for a minute. Yeah. And he's and like, I why is he that. doing that? There's every there's chaos. Everybody's running around. Why does he turn and look at Finn specifically yeah, at all? At everybody, at everybody he turned and looks to, directly at Finn and everybody's like, oh, it's because he wasn't shooting. No, there were other people no. standing around. He looked directly at Finn. He could see it was almost like he was sensing something with Finn. And then he grabs the blaster bolt. Right. And then here's the second part to that. When they're on the ship and Hux and Phasma are talking about, you know, the guy whose blaster didn't go off and Kylo goes F in 2187. Yeah. <laughs> Kylo knew who it was. Yeah. He it, just it walked in, hadn't yeah. read anything yet, walks in and goes that one dude, almost like the guy that I felt not doing it, like the guy that I sensed. Like that wasn't his blaster. That was homeboy. Yeah. That to me, like all of that, I was like, oh yeah, Kyle, like you have the acknowledgement of another force user. This like the force is strong on this one. He didn't say it, but the look on like you, even though they're both wearing helmets, he stops and looks at him. You picked up on the cues just like I did. He didn't have to. Exactly. And then, and like, think about it. Like when Ray doesn't take the lightsaber and Maz gets it and who does she give it to? She could have given it to Han. She could have given it to Chewie. She could have held on to it and just waited for Ray to come back. But no, she gives it to Finn. And then later on when they're fighting, he's like, I need a weapon. And she holds up his hand and says, you have a weapon. That's the weapon of a Jedi. Yeah. To me, Finn was force sensitive from the first frame. That's what stopped him from shooting. And it's what made him, that's what put him on Kylo's radar. And the explanation that Luke was helping her out this whole time. That's why Ray was able to do all this stuff. Like, that's why when she closed her eyes and she opened them, she could fight him because it was Luke fighting through yeah. her. There it is. She's not a Mary Sue. Congratulations. You have a, a well-built franchise. Let's go. What's the next movie going to be? Yeah. But, you know, um, <sighs> yeah, you play stupid games, you win stupid prizes. You know, Ryan Jackson yeah. shouldn't have been considered for something of this magnitude. Exactly. I'm not saying he's a bad director. I, I, I'm not going to say that because he's been in the business. He's making a living. But at the same time, you know, to use a Star Trek term, you know, or TNG term, you would never have a ship's counselor be clean on. You just wouldn't do it. Here's the thing. My opinion of Ryan Johnson. Number one, he's a narcissist. Just great yeah. a narcissist. Yeah. Um, number two, he is actually a good director. Yeah. He is not yeah. a good writer. So had he not been in charge of the treatment? Like, had Lawrence Kasdan actually written, like, Abrams came up with the treatment with Lawrence Kasdan. So let Lawrence Kasdan actually write the film. And then let J- let uh, let Johnson shoot it however he wanted. I don't but know why that was script. not the plan to, to, to begin with. Exactly. I, I, I don't understand how, you know, Lawrence Kasdan was not even considered from day one A1. I don't understand. Because Kathleen Kennedy is a megalomaniac. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, we, we know that now, but, yeah. you know, when it was all fresh and new, you know, I just assumed that, oh, I know what they're going to do. They're going to do what I would do. They're going to go and get the Empire guys, and they're going to put them in a room with the new school guys, and they're going to hash out something that's going to be kind of really dope. We're going to have proper member berries. It's going to set up new characters. It's going to be backstories. It's going to be all kind of cool stuff. This was me thinking in, you know, the whole 1987 frame of Star Wars. Little did we know something more ominous was coming. (laughs) I thought they were going to do what I still think they should have done, which is exactly what they're doing with the Mandalorian. 
And that was a long way around saying, have Lucas do the treatment. Have Lucas do like, here's the story. Lucas is great at coming. He's excellent at world building. And he is excellent at having, at creating the story. Okay. He's not good at, at, at actual, like he's not good at directing actors. He's kind of terrible yeah. at it. And he's yeah. not good at writing dialogue. A la Harrison Ford. That's a great interview. <laughs> right. So George, people don't talk like this. Exactly. <laughs> I hate sand. Like, no, dude, come on, man. That is so funny. I'm like, poor George. <laughs> you have him do the world building and do the story. Like right. example, they actually paid the money. They wasted that money. They paid money for his treatments for ep- for episodes seven, eight, nine. Yeah, and those are the treatments that would have had Maul be the bad guy. Maul and Darth Talon. Oh my gosh, we would have lost our shit. Yeah. You have yeah. Luke building the Jedi Temple and Darth Talon yeah. and Maul. And- Darth Talon would have been yeah. great, honestly. That's exactly. Great. So like I said, you let George Lucas. A villain. No, for, oh, I mean, he's awesome. On. Let George villain. Lucas do the world building. Let him yeah. come up I with like the story. I like her already, honestly. Once I, read, once I read the treatment and, and once I saw the story, and read, I'm like, yo, I love this Darth Talon. She's awesome. exactly what? Yeah, she's from um, characters. Hello, she's from the Hello. the expanded universe. Yeah, put her in, and so have Lucas do that, and then have Lawrence Kasdan actually write the dialogue. Um, <laughs> that really reminds me of the scene from the yeah. movie Get Shorty, where uh, <laughs> where Delroy Lindo goes. Yeah, you see, we like we write the story, and then you have a writer put in the commas and shit. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you have Lawrence Kasdan put in the commas and shit. And like write man. the dialogue. Get Shorty is like, yo, man, that 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 is one of my all-time favorites, man. Oh, I love Get Shorty. Oh, uh, my favorite was like when Renee Russo was like, Aren't you scared? And he's like, No. <laughs> and she's like, <laughs> and she's like, but they had a gun in your head. And he's like, Oh, I was then. <laughs> this is like like yeah. I like yeah, I was scared then, but I'm not now. Like that was a minute yeah, ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Great writing. Great so writing. Joe, I love- Great writing. You have then you can have you can have separate directors. It doesn't matter if you have separate directors. As long as you have if you you have the overarching story, yeah, you have directors need frameworks. The writer frameworks. to actually write the story, to you know, to write the scripts. And yeah. then you can have a different director put their own personal style on. And do whatever they want as far as stylistically. Yeah. That, hey, I cool. Agree. Do yeah, whatever you, you want. Do but don't have them, like, don't let them write the whole thing. And the stories that have come out, it's not so much that they wrote the whole thing. It was more what Kennedy wanted. Because uh, from what yeah. I've heard, the rumors that I've heard, was that Abrams took, they, he pretty much did that. He took the treatments that um, Lucas had given and he turned in his treatment, his draft. And right. Kennedy was like, nope, because she wanted to basically burn the past, just like they said in, in fucking yeah, in, Luke, in Last Jedi. Like, die. kill it if you must. And like, this is my shit now. So basically, she was she's a megalomaniac. She was too into this is mine now. And the sad thing is, like, he actually like Star Wars was killed essentially by Lucas because the only reason Kennedy was head of Lucasfilm is because he put her in there thinking that she would not do the very thing that she did. She did. Yeah. 
he was thinking like, okay, Disney is a bunch of like greedy corporate a-holes, but I'm going to put my girl in so I know that you know, my characters will be treated right. And she's the one that fucked it up. Yeah. That's <laughs> so, horrible. Yeah. That's horrible. And you know, while we're on Lucas, um, I have a very um, unique and detailed criticism for him in, the, in, the, in regards to the sale of uh, Star Wars. <clears throat> Ultimately, in my humbled minority opinion mm-hmm. this is all his fault let me explain why i understand in the modern era you know he's done this all of his life he wants to live his best life doing other things but as an artist and creator a great world builder as you so eloquently put it he's emotionally attached to this universe and this material rightfully so right right mm-hmm. so what do you do this is what you do you form a transition team Corporations do this shit all the time. They do it all the time. There's no reason why it cannot be done artistically. And actually, it is done artistically because when Roddenberry handed off Star Trek to Rick Berman, that's exactly what happened. Roddenberry had screened everybody in Hollywood and found the ones that can adhere to a code, to a standard, to canon, if you will. All George had to do was put together some young talent like Colin Trevorrow, like John Favreau, like Dave Filoni, you know, like Rodriguez. But the sad thing is, that's what he hold thought on, he was doing. Hold on, hold on. He could have did this and maintained the integrity of his child, of his artistic child. No, he went for the big bucks. In, in an interview, he said, "Well, you know, the reason I sold it because I couldn't hand off to my kids." Totally get that. You know, kids who are raised in the shadow of, of famous parents. I speak mm-hmm. from experience. That is a difficult road to hoe. It's very, very difficult. So you really want to encourage your children to do other things to, to make let them blossom in their own way as a parent. I totally understand and resonate with that statement. He mm-hmm. is right. He's right. So he could have built a transition team and kept Lucasfilm, quote unquote, in-house. Oh, His so you mean he shouldn't was, have sold it to Disney at all. Exactly. Just kept Lucasfilm. He should have did that shit and did right. Yeah, he should have kept it and built and that way. He could go golfing. He can go travel and not worry about his shit being bastardized like it has been now. So, but the again, sad, that's what's so sad though, because he legit thought that Kennedy was like, he thought that's what he was doing when he put Kennedy in place. Yeah. That's exactly what he thought he was doing. Yeah, and he and, had every reason to think right. that because she was right there with him. She was, she was with him and Spielberg this entire time. But the thing is, it doesn't matter how that, much. Though. How does she get in that click? See, you know what I liken it to? What, I'm going to I'm going to mix the metaphors here. To me it's more like you remember when Drew Bledsoe was the head quarterback of the Patriots? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Now Tom Brady was great because he had talent, but a lot of people looked at it like, yeah, and he also sat on the bench behind Drew Bledsoe for four seasons before he was able to get up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because Drew was the man. He was the top of his game at the time. Right. But yeah, the difference yeah. is he still like when he when it came time for Tom to step up, mm-hmm. he did. Here, okay, here's what I'm, I'm mainly getting at. So I remember the game that Drew Bledsoe went down and Tom Brady came up, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was like at the end of the season, and everybody's like, oh no, the Patriots are over. Cause you know, Tom Brady's yeah. like 12. Because <laughs> he was like yeah. 20. Yeah, I think he was like 24 at the time. Cause I'm I was like 23. And but when he stepped up. He, they won, and everybody was like, oh, okay, it was a fluke. So even though he won, 
And even though he's the, the main backup quarterback, literally nobody put any faith in him until he did it again and again and again and again. And then after a season, like after you win the Super Bowl and a season of winning, then they're like, oh, he's a good quarterback. Bledsoe better look out for his job. And then he lost and Bledsoe lost his job. But <laughs> but yeah, then, I, I feel like back. with Kennedy, she spent a lifetime on the bench being the backup quarterback, but she never threw a pass. And the first time she she was in uniform and they put her Ooh, on that six. field, they that was it was the Super Bowl. It was all, you know, the game was on the line. And they were like, all right, you got it. You've been on the bench for 20 years. You got this. But they never gave her the ball. They never, she was on the bench for 20 years, but she didn't have the ball. Dave Filoni was different. Why? Because yeah, Dave Filoni was, he was a backup quarterback. He's sitting on the bench behind Lucas. But then as soon as Lucas was like, all right, I'm going to step back. Filoni stepped up and did the Clone Wars. So you could see from the Clone Wars, he did six seasons of the Clone Wars and then turned around and did Rebels. So he's got a track record. Yes. You know, like, but Filoni is essentially Tom Brady in this situation. Yeah, Baloney was he sat on the bench and when it's his turn, he performed. Yeah. And with Kennedy, she was she sat on the bench for 20 years, but she never threw a pass. And they just gave her the game. And they and that's the thing that, that gets me. It's like she was a producer to all of these guys, but they never they never really she never held the keys to the kingdom. She was always answer. She always had somebody else to answer to. I don't know how George let that slip by. I just don't. That's the thing. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, and I, I a lot of people are like, it should have been Dave Filoni. But the thing is, mm. I don't think that at the time that Star Wars was sold to Disney, Filoni wasn't ready yet. Because I now agree. we're looking at him. I agree. 100%. We're looking at it now. Yeah. But he I wasn't agree. there yet. He was still, he had just come off the bench for like a couple seasons. He hadn't, you know, all the Clone Wars, like he hadn't even done all of the Clone Wars yet. Now he's ready. Sure, you can hand him the keys now. But back then, no. That was like over a decade ago. Yeah, I get it. I get so it. yeah, that's what I think. That's that's how I think the whole thing went south. And now I think it would be much better if she just doesn't have anything to do with Star Wars anymore. Because her legacy is ruining Star Wars. Yeah, they... um. She's going to probably end up staying at Lucasfilm because she can't get a job anywhere else. Does she need yeah. one? That's the thing that always gets me, like CEOs and heads of, of companies. Like, yeah. oh, what are they going to do for a job? Who gives a shit? She, These people are wealthy. Just go retire somewhere. Of identity politics. So she has several um, projects on the, in, in the fire at Lucasfilm. See, that's another so thing that I've heard she's not gonna... is that she doesn't <laughs> have several. She has a they essentially took everything out from under her and were like, yeah, yeah. we're just going to go ahead and take this back. Yeah, they did, and they have done all that, yeah. And you're CEO and name only. Yeah. So, or you president. your name on the credits for the Mandalorian, I, I, I cringe. But yes, I because you know she that, didn't have shit to do with it. She, the only yeah, reason same. her name's on there is because she's the head of Lucasfilm. Yeah, and that's fine. So she's well, technically, she's not, because she's ahead, honestly. she's technically the yeah. producer of everything. But yeah, That set ban is, is still in place. She's not allowed on the set. Which I think is good. Funny. Good. On the set. That's awesome. Because I guarantee you, if she had anything to do with the Mandalorian, we wouldn't have gotten Luke at the end. No, we wouldn't have gotten. No, not at all. Because she's not all either. like, you know, she wants the new one. It turns out, like the the reason why um the Star Wars land bombed is because of her as well. Apparently, yeah. yeah. She held a meeting. Like they were, they were set. They had everything planned. It was going to be 
it was going to take place in the original trilogy. Yeah. That's why they had the Millennium Falcon and all that. Cause the Millennium Falcon yeah. is still there. Um, and then she but took a meeting. The dish. It's hmm? square now. Fucking assholes. <laughs> um, and she took a meeting with, um, with Bob Iger and was like, don't you want it to be like, do you really want to go back to the star Wars that we didn't have anything to do with? Don't you want it to be the new star Wars? So it, this, that lets me know yeah. that every single thing that she did, she did from an egotistical standpoint. Yeah, she didn't give a shit about yeah. star Wars. It was all about her legacy. Yeah. Well, here we yeah. are. Her legacy is shit. So congratulations. The funny thing is, the, the really funny thing about that is had she just left it alone and let the creators do what they wanted, she actually would have a really good legacy because yeah, had we no gotten Colin Trevall should have been fired. There's no fucking reason for that. Or any, no how many different people, any how many directors does she go through? Lord and Miller, Trevorrow. Um, wasn't Edgar Wright supposed to do it for a minute or so? Like there were so yeah, many like, directors you know, that came through. These big heavy hitters. Like, like, like really dude, are you yeah. just that? crazy and the thing that gets me is every single one of these directors are directors that you hire specifically for their style for this kind of thing exactly so they adhere to the code and and, plus more than likely they love the they love the property themselves exactly fan okay look at the contrast so 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 so, such travesty trevorrow loves star wars yeah jj has said on many occasions oh you know i'm I'm kind of a star wars guy but he kind of like mismatches Colin Trevorrow has said in multiple interviews, I love Star Wars. Yeah, big, but you know what? Period at the end of that. Johnson said he loves Star Wars, and we all know he doesn't even understand it. Because if he understood you Star Wars, but, yeah, he wouldn't have written that take, shit. Yeah, but, yeah, but, but he doesn't, though. But that proves he does not. Yeah. So, so his statement on itself is, is bullshit. You know, I, I will admit, I, though. I believe the Catholic got fired love Star Wars as opposed to the asshole that made the last Jedi. Well, from I'm more, I'm more apt to believe that. Yeah. The the thing that, that gets me is that like I've heard Trevorrow had he clashed with Kennedy when they were filming uh The Force Awakens, Johnson was writing The Last Jedi. Yeah. And apparently Luke was supposed to be like you know that scene in uh Rise of Skywalker where Ray is like floating and like rocks are going all around her and everything. Yeah. Apparently that's how what Luke was supposed to be doing when she found him at the end of The Force Awakens. Yeah. And Johnson was like, no, just have him stand there because he wanted to have a, a fucking gag of Luke throwing away the lightsaber. So wow. So J- so Abrams changed the end of his movie so that Johnson could do what he wanted in his. And then Johnson threw away the treatment and basically fucked up Star Wars. And yeah. When Trevorrow heard what Johnson had done, Trevorrow was like, no, Luke needs to stay alive because I need Luke alive for mine. And Kennedy was like, absolutely not. Luke dies. Apparently, Kennedy had like something like, yeah, she did have some guidelines and her guidelines were kill off all the original characters. Yeah, that was the guideline. Yeah. And so when Trevorrow was like, look, like I'll kill off Luke in mine, but he's, he, I need him alive. And Kennedy was like, nope. And that was that was the creative difference. And that's when he was like, all right, then fuck you. And I don't blame him. <laughs> So yeah, yeah. uh, We could have gotten so much better. Darth Maul and Darth Talon and badass Luke. Yeah. Ugh. It's just really frustrating because you know we could use some good content right now. You know. Ugh. 
That's what I think that's what made it so emotional with the Mandalorian. Because it was like, that's all we wanted. That's it. Now you're right. That's all I wanted. Just, just please show me, you know, Anakin's kid did okay after, you know, Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. Is he okay? Well, based on the Mandalorian, he's doing just fine. He's doing just fine. And also, um, another thing that lets you know that they really don't understand Star Wars, the sequel trilogy turned the entire nine films into Into the Palpatine story. Yeah, that's that's bullshit. When originally Star Wars itself is the Anakin story. Yeah, it is. So how are you going to not have Anakin in any of the three, the last three movies? Yeah, it's insane. Like at all. You I mean, should have been a force ghost in all of them. I don't, I don't even acknowledge it. I don't. You know and what I was that, thinking? I was thinking the that the force exists. It just reaffirms you know, my, my my stubborn position. That is the like three, that singles didn't happen. That, um, that, that, that makes it stronger for me. They don't exist. Yep. Nothing. Basically, it, it's Return of the Jedi and the Mandalorian. Return of the Jedi, Rogue One, and Mandalorian, Clone Wars. We can have a conversation. Outside of that, and Rebels. Oh. Outside of that, I didn't talk. I didn't say about. I didn't talk about. For me personally, you I know what I, I would have liked to have seen in uh, or not necessarily in the Force Awakens, but like so in the Force Awakens, you know, you have Kylo with Vader's helmet, right? Yeah. Well, we know that that dark energy can stay, can like haunt an object, kind of. Yes. Right. So what I thought would have been really cool is if in Episode Eight you get Darth Vader through the helmet. And then you get the force ghost of Anakin. So you get both sides yeah. of you get Anakin and Vader. You get, yeah, you know, Vader trying dope. to corrupt Kylo. Yeah. And you get the force ghost of Anakin trying to pull him back. Yeah. Because when you look at Anakin's life, mm-hmm. he really is two people. Yeah. And to okay. have all of that culminate like in his, his grandson, yeah. that would have been awesome. Yeah. He, he went from slave to Jedi to like 25. And then 19 years after that, he was a Sith Lord. That's two separate lives. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that, I, actually, I love that idea. Yeah. And also, yeah. please explain to me why it was like, okay, I get the symbolism of it being his father because he killed his father. So, you know, he, the symbolism of his father being the reason for him to turn. But wouldn't it have been much more impactful if it had been the forced ghost of Anakin that turned Kylo back into Ben? You know, I kind of thought that's what they're going to do. Honestly. Yeah, but apparently we can't have any of the original characters. Except yeah. for Palpatine, of all people, who died. Yeah, he, like, yeah. double died on the fucking Death Star, okay? Yeah. Because he was thrown down. He's thrown down, like, the shaft that, like, never ends. And while he was being electrocuted, you know, he was actively being electrocuted as he was thrown down a shaft. And then the whole thing fucking blew up. He was double dead. Okay. Yeah. If no you didn't you die the first it. way, he died the second. He is dead. Yeah. And for some reason, it's okay to bring him back from the dead 30 years later, but it was too much of a stretch to bring Snoke back from 10 minutes ago. Yeah. He's in the outer rim plotting Palpatine for 30 years. Get the fuck out of here, man. No. Yo, George Lucas already said Palpatine died. Yeah. He's dead. Dead, dead. So, <laughs> if the creator of Star Wars says he's dead, guess what? Palpatine's dead, which makes the Disney trilogy null and void. Yep. Sorry. So, to me, like the only thing that really gets under my skin is the fact that with Carrie Fisher gone, they can't redo the trail the sequel trilogy. 
They like we can't we can't get a new golden opportunities. They wasted it. Yeah, we can't get a new sequel trilogy where you know we get the trilogy that we wanted because yeah. she's gone. And on top right. of that, they pissed off everybody so that like like Harrison Ford's like fuck this, I'm never doing this this shit again. I don't blame him. I don't blame him at all. And on you know, top of that, a lot of the other Star Wars actors are dead. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. At some point, we were gonna talk about Christmas movies. <laughs> we did. We talked about Christmas movies for like ten minutes, and then of Star Wars. No, no. That's what happens like when you talk no, to I, me. I watched the clock. No, we talked. Check the tape. There's enough material there. We, we covered it. <laughs> so okay. So your favorite Christmas movie is A Christmas Story, and it's because you saw yourself in it. My favorite Christmas movie is Christmas in Connecticut, and I honestly have no idea why. Um, you know what? I, I think I kind of do. It's because it's from, it's a black and white movie. It's from mm-hmm. an era before women were, um, women were seen as basically like an object to serve men. It was from yeah. when women could be doctors. Like if you go, if you go back far enough in movies, you'll see movies where women were doctors and lawyers, mm-hmm. not always nurses or secretaries or housewives. Right. And it's from that era um, because Elizabeth Lane is a writer and she is self-sufficient. She's taking care of herself and she can't Mm. cook. (laughs) And and so like, so she like totally flies in the face of like any stereotype of a woman. Like she's right. She's supposed to be like the greatest housewife. And, but really what she is, is a really good writer and she can't cook at all. And it's, a man who's a chef who's cooking for her and he's giving her the recipes and she's just writing that shit down. She's making it sound good. And, <laughs> um, and they even go through the trope of like, well, if you're going to lose your job, you should get married. Even if you don't love the guy, because he'll take care of you. And she was like, I'd rather die. Okay. <laughs> so, also for that era, this is, you know, it took, it was done in the 1940s. This uh-huh. is a time when racially, not that great for black people, but there are Very two true. black people that are memorable for me in this movie. One is the lady who delivered her fur coat to her and she was treated like a normal person. She, you know, um, she answers the door and the lady is like, oh, delivery. And she's like, oh, thank you. And she's like, have a nice day. OK, thanks. Didn't right. treat her like shit. She wasn't considered a servant. She was just a person doing her job. Right. Then the no, next so person. No, nothing. Yeah. Yeah, the next person you see, or the next black person, is um, he works at the restaurant that the chef owns, and the chef doesn't have a great grasp of English, and he goes up to him and he's like, "What does catastrophe mean?" And the guy literally lays out a textbook definition. He's like, "It's from the Greek," and he, he explains what it means, and he's like, "Oh, it's good." He's like, "No, it's bad." So the second <laughs> time you see a black person. This black person is intelligent enough to give a textbook definition of a word and explain it to someone who doesn't speak English well. Right. That's dope. <laughs> and that's who he go. And of all the people in that restaurant, he goes to the black dude and asks him and the black dude lays it out for him. So that's one movie where like at a time that's when there cool. was no equality, the movie has equality. Meanwhile, if you watch a movie like Holiday Inn, you can watch you can see blackface. So, right. yeah, this to me, Christmas, um, like Christmas, Christmas in Connecticut, it's and also I like the fact that like it's a farce. Everything is like they're, they're lying about everything, but she knows she's going to get caught. <laughs> she's like, I'm lying and I'm <laughs> going to get caught. And she does. 
And when she does get caught, she's like, eh, eh, saw that coming. <laughs> and, it's like, and I love that, you know, I love where she's right, like, right. yeah, this doesn't, this is not going to end well. I know this isn't going to end well. And then when it doesn't end well, she's like, yeah, it's, didn't end well you know she doesn't like <laughs> she does kind of lose her shit later but she loses her shit on the guy who was like oh i was supposed to marry you and she was like yeah but you knew i didn't want to marry you <laughs> so, <laughs> i love it it's it's basically like it, it's a film of actual equality but it doesn't ram it down your throat it just treats people Bro, like yeah. normal people so that's i can see why that would resonate with you yeah, yeah. i like that that's that's dope Okay. And it still ends up happy because she ends up, she keeps her job, she gets a raise, and she ends up marrying a guy that she actually loves, even though she can't cook. Hmm. <laughs> still can't cook, huh? Still can't cook. That's literally like one of the last lines okay. of the movie. <laughs> like, she can't cook, she can't cook, oh, she okay. can't cook. <laughs> oh, like it. And it's just, it's a cute little movie, but it's, I don't know, it's, I guess it's kind of like what you were saying, like you see yourself in it. Yeah. It's it's easy for me to because like no, I love black and white movies because of oh, that, like, best. you know, nostalgia for a simpler time. But then as a black person and as a woman, it's like, nah, those weren't great times. But this right. movie allows you to do that because black people are treated like normal and women are treated like normal. And so you can just enjoy the movie you know it, it right. stood the test of time like this is that was in the 1940s so this is 80 years later and i there's nobody's gonna cancel it you know right so <laughs> that's why i like it um and that's my favorite christmas movie um i also like christmas vacation because it is hilarious yeah it is it is hilarious shitter was full you checked our shitters lady um <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's a class it's stupid but it's stupid hilarious. Um, <laughs> so I love that. Um, and then there, I like a bunch of them. Uh, but yeah, those those are my favorite too. But like you, every Christmas Eve, I watch A Christmas Story because I feel like you have to. Like it's tradition, you know? It's like hmm. it's Christmas Eve. It comes on TBS. You got to watch it. Yeah. <laughs> every time I see it on, I stop. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I stop. Yeah. yeah. I stop and watch it because it's just... Daddy's gonna kill Ralphie. Yeah. <laughs> that BB gun. I had that BB gun. Yeah, I had that BB gun. I've never had a weapon. Yeah, I had to be I had two BB guns. Yeah. Growing Did up. Did you shoot your eye out? Uh no. I was um actually quite good with weapons as a kid, believe hmm. it or not. I was watching a bishop's wife earlier today again because you know it's Christmas time. Um, another <laughs> Christmas movie that I love. And um, there's a scene where uh, Dudley, you know, Cary Grant's character had just yeah. sent the little girl to go play. And the mom says, do you think she'll get hurt? And Dudley says, probably, but she'll have a ton of fun. And they were just like, OK, <laughs> because at a, up until a certain time, there was and I feel like that time was like maybe the 80s when it started to change. But yeah. like up until then. We didn't grow up with with safety proof like playgrounds. Yes, it was gravel right. and you fell and you scraped your knee and you got up and you fixed it and you kept playing. Kept going, yeah. And yeah. nobody just like in the 40s when she was like, Do you think she'll get hurt? And he's like, probably. <laughs> they were just like, yeah. All right, cool. Like, <laughs> like probably, but she'll love it. It's like we learned how to get back up again. We yeah. didn't you didn't stop the world. Nobody got sued. It was your kid. 
You're supposed to get hurt, but you you're also supposed to learn from it. Like the whatever you did, don't do that again. <laughs> you know? Yeah, pain is an excellent teacher. Yeah. yeah. On that note, yeah. You have anything you would like to plug? No, but I'd like to say uh, thank you for the opportunity to spend this time with you. I've had a blast. It was awesome, <laughs> and uh, I was I was super nervous today at work, thinking, "Oh my god, she said she's not going to go easy on me. <laughs> she's going to talk about my mama. Like, what's going to happen? I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know. I was like, ah, my mom's racing a mile a minute. And <laughs> it actually turned out to be one of the most dopest sessions I've ever had, as far as podcasts concerned. So thank you so much. You have been outstanding, outstanding. And the best part, you know your shit. I get so (laughs) tired of speaking with neophytes. Nothing against them. I know there's levels to this shit. I get it. But to engage with you about Star Wars and, and pop culture and films and Christmas movies, this has been the best social interaction I've had since the pandemic wow thank you i am dead ass because you have to understand i'm an introvert by nature Uh so when all this started started happening i was like huh i can handle it i'm I'm cool i'm built for this yeah i don't like people anyway yada 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 (laughs) guess what nine months later i am dying for human contact which tells me a number of things about my personality number one i'm full of shit (laughs) number one number two um even though i kind of shy away from human contact it really is great when you engage with quality human beings. You ain't got to agree with them. That's not the mm-hmm. point. But when you engage with quality human beings, it just it just feels so fucking good. And I cannot even express in words how great I feel right now. So thank you. I really mean that. Thank you so much. I'm a random motherfucker on the internet. I could be anybody. <laughs> but the fact that we're having this interaction is just, is just awesome. So I can't thank you enough. I really can't. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you. Like that was, that was a great compliment. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, every word of it, every word. Oh, okay. Thanks for listening guys. And I'll catch you next week. Also, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Everybody. Happy holidays. Whatever y'all celebrate. If you like this episode, do us a favor. If you're listening through Apple, give us five star rating or any other app, drop us a like, and don't forget to subscribe so that you can hear new episodes when they come out. Thanks. Salam, 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 salam,